everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of Spiritual Spiral. Thank you guys so much for joining us. I'm your host, Sam Davidson, joined by my good friend and co-host, Sari Cohen. And we have a very special guest for you guys. His name is George Lisos, and he is a light worker, a mentor, an intuitive. He also is an author and a podcast host. He has so many amazing things to tell us about spirituality and his journey. So thank you for joining us, George. Hi, Sam. Hi, sorry. Thank you so much for having me. Such a pleasure. Let's talk about the start of your journey. I know that yeah. you had this memory when you were five years old. Mm. It also led to a journey of discovering who you were as, as a human being. Can you expand on that? So my journey did start here in Cyprus. So the first memory, as you've just said, uh, of, my, of myself is of a five-year-old George just standing in the field of yellow daisies, just staring up at the sky and wondering, why am I here? What is the purpose of life? What is this all about? And therefore, I was one of those weird kids that just spent time out in nature, talking to the flowers, not really interested in whatever other kids were interested in. And as a result of feeling so different and being so different, I was bullied a lot as a kid. And that created a sense of, you know what, I'm different. I stand out from the crowd and therefore I constantly have to try to monitor the way I look, the way I feel, who I am to try and fit in. Fast forward at a time when I was around 13 years old, that's when I realized that I was gay. Now, I grew up in a Christian household, in a Christian society, a small island in the Mediterranean. And the thing with small communities in general, anywhere in the world, is that they tend to be very judgmental. They expect you to be a specific way. And if you don't, then you get bullied, you, like, you, you stand out. So there was no way I could accept yet another label on me, especially when gay people were considered to be pedophiles and criminals and homosexuality had just been legalized uh, at the time. So I'm like, great, I'm just gonna approach things like I've approached everything else in my life. I'm just gonna change myself from gay to straight one step at a time. And that's where I enter the two most debilitating years of my life where for two years, I just tried to monitor the way I walked the way I talked, the way I thought, trying to make me straight. And when I couldn't do that, I realized, you know what? I don't deserve to live. I'm a human abomination. So I decided to take my own life. And it was in that dark moment in my life that my spiritual path started. Because right before I had done it, I had an epiphany. Right when I let go completely and I surrendered, I realized, you know what? I do have a choice. Like, fuck what people think, fuck what society thinks. I'm just going to learn to love me and accept me exactly as I am. And I had no idea how to even start to love me because all I had experienced was self-loathing and bullying. But you know how it works. When you're ready to change and you open yourself up to change, spirit shows up for you. The universe shows up for you. And there was my first spiritual book on Feng Shui at the time. And then book after book, spiritual modality after the other, I learned to embrace who I was, love myself, forgive my bullies, forgive my biggest bully, which was myself. And then eventually don't care about what other people think about me and just learn to find all the happiness and support and love that I needed within me. And that's when my first book came out be the guru, a step-by-step -step guide to becoming your own spiritual teacher, therefore your own source of love, happiness, and acceptance. Well, that is such a powerful, powerful story. You know, I'm curious, 
for people, why do you think it is that we resist change so much? Even if we know intuitively, like it sounds like in your journey, intuitively deep down inside you knew, what is it within us that resists? It's not within us, it's outside of ourselves. Mm. It's the way we're brought up because you've never seen a little baby judging themselves in the mirror and saying, oh, you know what, your nose is too big. Oh, you know what, you're too fat. No, we're born purely loving, uh, little babies, innocent little babies. We love life, we love ourselves, we love other people. We're connected from source, we've just come out of, of source energy, therefore we are that, we are pure love. And then eventually the school system, our parents, our society, religion, they break us away from the truth of who we really are and into a truth that they believe is true for us. Okay. And that's how the comparison trap starts. And that's how we're afraid of change. That's how we, we start telling ourselves, you know what, if I change, well, this image that I've built for myself gets me accepted. So if I change, who's gonna guarantee I'm gonna be accepted anymore? Right. So we start thinking that way because we've dissipated from our intuition, we've dissipated from our connection to source. And I know that you are a mentor to light workers and you've really helped so many people on their journey. What would you say are the biggest blocks that you've come across when working with other light workers as far as their own blocks? Okay, so let me first define the term light worker. So a light worker is anyone who makes a conscious decision of making the world a better place. And in Light Workers Gotta Work, my second book, I coined the term Ascension Light Worker who are old, mature souls who incarnate lifetime after lifetime with the purpose of evolving the planet, of ascending the planet, of changing the way things are done so we can create a more loving and more fulfilling and more peaceful world. So the biggest block that both lightworkers and ascension lightworkers face is not taking enough action towards their life purpose. And Partly from an esoteric perspective, it has to do lifetime after lifetime in the past with had our gifts be suppressed as light workers, the witches being burned, and the shamans and the intuitives and the wise women and, and men that had to suppress their skills and their abilities in a patriarchal world. So we have that memory from a past life, but even from the current lifetime, because we're highly sensitive people, we've been bullied, we've been called names throughout our lives, we're afraid to shine our light, we're afraid to be seen. And therefore, we keep our spirituality in the closet and in the meditation pillow. We like meditating and feeling the vibes and raising our vibration and thinking that by raising our vibration, we're changing the world. We aren't. By raising a vibration, we're changing the vibration in the room we're in. <laughs> in order to actually create physical change in this physical world, we have to take physical action steps. And that's why I wrote Lightworkers Gotta Work as a call to action for lightworkers to say, you know what? Yes, you have all those skills, you have all those abilities, you have all that passion to change. Use it, take action, get out of your comfort zone, get clear on your life purpose and work it. So how do you know if you are a light worker? Is it something that anyone can do or is it something that you're born with? So a light worker is anyone who chooses to be a light worker. Therefore, if you choose to say what, I want to make the world a better place. Like I can feel it. Like I want to light the world up. I want to do what lights me up. 
and also is other want to light up the world. I want to make the world a better place. If you make the choice, and we all have the capacity to make that choice, it's just a matter of seeing the calling. We can do it. Now, when it comes to being an ascension light worker, that's quite different. Ascension light workers, from my perspective, they are born this way, uh, or they realize you can want to become an ascension light worker as well, but it usually you come with it because. One of the characteristics of being an essential light worker, therefore wanting to ascend the planet to create change, not just within yourself, but within the world, in the, in the larger perspective, in a larger scale, is they have this inner calling from a very young age of, you know what, I want to help people heal. I want to help make a change in the world. It's not just about them. It's about that. So they, they want to help others. That's one characteristic. And then second characteristic, they want to find their life purpose. They, they think about purpose. What is my purpose? What is my, my, my purpose? They don't just care about, oh, let me pass this day well. <laughs> They're like, okay, what is my purpose? Why am I here? So there is this striving to find their life purpose. There is this wanting to help the world. And also there is a sense of urgency. It's about time is running out. We need to do things right now. There's a sense of being an activist. So on the same note of finding your life purpose, it is so hard these days. I feel like because we have so many um, distractions, you know, and oh, I can be this, I can do this. I mean, I'm the girl that's like sitting up until 2 a.m. Uh, taking BuzzFeed quizzes to tell me like what, what I should do with my life, you know? Because it's like, I think deep down I know, but it's so hard to figure it out. How do you help people find their purpose and once they find it do they ever sometimes go oh that's it i i don't know perfect. if i wanted to do that perfect i'm gonna give you the clues to that but before i do that lightworkers gotta work in the book i guide people through my step-by-step -step formula to finding and defining their life purpose in a specific paragraph definition and also when people pre-order the book if, no no sorry not pre-order order the book right now that was a pre-order campaign but now i've extended the offer to people who order it if you go to georgelizos.com forward slash lightwork, when you enter your receipt number there, you get a free two hour workshop with me where I guide you through this process in an hour long workshop to define your life purpose. So as soon as you have the book, you've already found your life purpose, you've defined it, and then you can start working on it. So now let me give you the clues and then people can get more uh, in-depth information in the book and workshop. Essentially, it's so much easier to find our life purpose than we think. When we look back, in our, that's a clue, a very important clue. Exploring your childhood and what you were interested in and what you did and what you enjoyed, that gives you the main themes of your life purpose and the main emotions of your life purpose. Because as children, we're not yet indoctrinated by all the rules of society and all the must-dos and must-haves. You gotta go to school, you gotta get this degree, you gotta do this specific kind of job to get money. So because we don't yet have that, we're just naturally drawn to people, to activities, to, to, to situations that are in alignment with our life purpose. So that's how you can start exploring your life purpose. And in the book, I guide you through the process where we explore that plus other stuff to define it. Now, you're saying, okay, what if uh, I find my life purpose and then I'm like, after a while, this doesn't feel right anymore. That's because, and that's another chapter from the book, that our life purpose is revealed to us to the degree to which we're ready to accept it. Let me unpack this a little bit. 
for the most part of my life, up until I was 22, I thought my life purpose was to become a musical theater actor. And that's still something I'm very interested in and I, I do sing and I dance and I do all that. However, that's not my life purpose. But up until that moment, that's as far as I was ready to accept. Why? Because I grew up in a very dogmatic uh, life telling me that any sort of spirituality that's not Christian is the work of the devil. So although I was interested in spirituality and I was practicing spirituality in the spiritual closet, I could never see myself doing it as my life purpose because that's how I was indoctrinated to think. And then as soon as that resolved, then the next phase of my life purpose was revealed to me. And right now I'm a spiritual teacher. What am I doing? I'm performing in a way. So I'm still performing like I did. It was just an aspect of my life purpose that I was expressing through musical theater. So that's how it keeps changing and evolving as we change and evolve. That's so interesting because I know both Sari and I, when we were younger, we wanted to be actors. When you said, think about what you wanted to do most when you were little and what you had the most fun doing, I wanted to be in plays. I wanted to be, you know, at first it shifted from being a movie star to also like, I felt like I was really channeling characters. I felt as though when I acted, I was able to get out this like stuck emotion in me, different anger. And then, I mean, I think that's an acting method. What is it? Um, whatever it is that you, you know, take your own experiences. And- Meisner. Meisner. That, yeah. Right. Yeah. But you know, as I've evolved, um, I have backed away kind of from that, but it's still something that like, I yes. love so much. It's something that you still do. Yeah. Right yeah. now, you're, you're performing in some way. So you're expressing emotion. You're doing all that just in a different format. Mm-hmm. So I would say that you're both living your life purpose right now. I always found, you know, it's interesting. I, I found, you know, you, you try to tell the universe you want something. You, you have yeah. this image of what it looks like. And it has to look like it does in this little package. And, and you can't understand why it's not happening, how it's not happening. And then the second you kind of surrender and just live your purpose, live your mm. truth, the universe opens up for you and delivers your wildest dreams beyond imagination. Like what Sam and I get to do for a living is something that I never dreamed of for myself, but it married all these different worlds together that... I couldn't even have imagined, so. Even when we, it seems like we're not following our life purpose, we are. Because every single skill we have, every single experience we have, it's part and and helps us fulfill our life purpose moving on. For example, I have two degrees in completely different things. I have a degree in geography and a degree in business management. I still use both those degrees in my spiritual work. I use my geography degree to teach about elementals (laughs) and I use my business management degree to run my business. So everything we do just feeds into our life purpose, essentially. And let's talk about those elementals. You know, what does that mean? I know you really work with with that so much. Yes. So the elementals is basically the consciousness, the animism, the spirits of nature. So let me give you an example. And everybody listening right now, just go back the last time you were out in nature, maybe in a park, maybe in the sea, maybe out in the desert, and you're just there just witnessing nature around you and you feel something. Your heart opens up, you feel emotions running through your body. Maybe you start thinking about something and you start reminiscing something from your childhood. Now, whatever it is you're experiencing in that moment is not entirely yours. It's a co-creation between you and the natural environment around you. So you could say, It's a communication between you and nature. 
So if nature can communicate with you, that means nature has spirit and consciousness. Well, that spirit and consciousness has a name, and these are the elementals. So they are the mermaids, the elementals of water. They are the fairies, the elementals of flowers and the gnomes and the giants, the mountain giants and the, the sylphs, the elementals of air and the dragons, the elementals of fire, the unicorns, the elementals of spirit. These are just ways we've used to explain and portray these feelings we get when we're out in nature and the healing we can experience when we work with nature. We've just given them a more physical portrayal because we're physical human beings who like compartmentalizing energy and labeling things because it's easier for us to relate with them. But that's essentially what it is. And kids love them so much because kids haven't yet lost their connection from nature. That's why they love unicorns and fairies. And it's about time we did too. <laughs> is that what you mean when you talk about the elemental realms? Yeah. yeah. Essentially, yes. It's about connecting with the fairies and the mermaids. and and finding support in our day-to-day -day lives because the elementals have been here since the beginning of time. My geography teacher always used to tell me, it's not about saving planet Earth. Planet Earth doesn't need us to save it, to save her. It's about saving the human race because unlike the different species that have lived on this planet, the only one who came out surviving and a winner was planet Earth. Everybody else got kicked out. So if we keep abusing the planet, it's just gonna flush us out of the system. It won't die that easily. It's very arrogant to think we can kill the planet. We cannot, it's gonna kill us if we keep abusing it. And because the elementals have been here since the beginning of time and they have all these processes that ensure the planet keeps finding balance, they've mastered manifestation, they've mastered life on earth and they wanna help us to master life on earth as well. So the water elementals, they help us deal with our emotions. The earth elementals help us deal with our finances and materiality. The air elementals help us deal with our belief systems and thoughts. The fire elementals give us a drive and the motivation that we need to take action on our life purpose. The spirit elementals know our life purpose and help us receive the guidance that we need to execute it and fulfill it into the world. Speaking of earth and human beings and that kind of struggle that if we don't treat the earth right, we will no longer exist. Is that tie in at all into what has happened in the past year like what was your take on 2020 on this pandemic and you know how you kind of see this evolving my personal opinion is that we've manifested all that as humanity collectively because of exactly that we've been abusing the planet ourselves the world collectively for many years and that was a natural outcome of that it's the planet showing up and being like, you know what? You've been abusing for so long. Well, here's a taste of your own medicine. <laughs> and that's why during this time, during this year, we've all been called to face our inner demons, to face our inner fears, to face our shadow self. We've all had to be, we, we were forced to go within for so long. It's all been looking outside, getting, getting, getting stuff outside of ourselves and trying to find fulfillment outside of ourselves and look where it got us. So the universe, the earth was like, you know what? Spend a year in your house and see what happens. I love how you put that. That was just, yeah, everything that I believe. Um, yeah. So can we call on the elements to help heal us? Yes. So that's the thing. The earth doesn't want to kick us out. The elementals don't want to kick us out. They like us. 
They like us because we're here co-creating and expanding human consciousness and creating stuff and keeping it exciting for them as well. That's why they're extending an olive branch, pun intended. <laughs> they are coming out to, they're like, you know what? You've been abusing yourselves. You've been abusing life. You've been abusing us. Let's all be friends again. Let us help you. That's why in popular culture, fairies, mermaids, and unicorns have been becoming so much more popular. It's the elementals coming into our day-to-day -day life, trying to catch our attention, trying to bring us back to earth. That's why earth-based spiritualities are becoming more and more popular as well, because people are trying to go back to their roots. They're losing connection with who they really are, and they're trying to find their connection back in nature. So the elementals are calling us, and they're calling us because we can call upon them as well, and we can, we can help each other. So let me give you a practical example. Having little altars in our house in honor of the elementals is a great way to establish that connection. Right next to you right now on my desk, I have an altar to the earth elementals. And for those looking at the video of this, I have little two gnomes, okay? These are two gnomes, they're earth elementals. They're all about manifesting materiality. So I have them here to, first of all, see them and just remember to be appreciative to planet earth whenever I'm spending money so I'm sitting here on my computer. When I'm buying something online, I'm like, thank you, Earth Elemental. Thank you, Gnomes, for giving me the opportunity to have this money to spend. So I'm making a connection between my real life with nature and how nature is part of it rather than me imposing on nature, me yeah. being an extension of nature. So that's a small way we can start connecting with the elementals. But of course, we can call upon them like we call upon angels, for example, when it comes to helping us with our relationships or with finances or uh, with our life purpose. And they come in, give us signs and support us. And so speaking of manifesting, I have listened to the way that you manifest. Um, I really connect with it. It's about feeling how you want to feel. Can you express and tell us a little bit more about how you do it? Yes. I want to start with this. What people need to realize about manifestation is that unlike what most popular manifestation books want to teach you, the universe is not your bitch. Okay. <laughs> the universe is no one's bitch. <laughs> it's not a matter of, oh, this is what I want. Universe, just do it for me. You have to put in the work as well. So that's the first thing I want to put out there. The second thing is most books on the law of attraction teach that your thoughts and your words manifest your reality. It's partially true. Thoughts and words create emotions. And it is the emotions and the vibrational frequency that emotion creates that the law of attraction responds to. So when we start feeling our way to manifesting our stuff and life, etc., like in general, that's when we really find the, uh, the basis for manifestation. So positive thinking is all about creating a certain emotion. Using certain words is all about creating a certain emotion and letting that emotion guide the manifestation journey. And then not just offering the emotion and and trusting that the universe will bring that thing back to us, but showing up for us as well, because for the universe to show up for us, we have to show up for ourselves. So it's doing the work, feeling the emotion, manifesting that emotion first, receiving inspired guidance, and then taking action towards that inspired guidance. So that is my approach with manifestation, doing the emotional work, and then taking action that's inspired from that place. So what are some harmful limiting beliefs 
that we tend to tell ourselves? So many. <laughs> Let me start from the, the basics. Okay, so when I ask light workers, what's preventing you from moving forward with your life purpose? A, a huge limiting belief that comes up is comparison. Like, who am I to do it? Mm-hmm. Who am I to do it? Like, others have done it. And something that I want to say around that is that everything's been done. But if that were true, and we only think one thing of whatever's out there, why are there so many Italian restaurants out there? Why not just one <laughs> that we can all go to? <laughs> it's because different restaurants and different people have different vibes. And your vibe attracts your tribe. Like people will come to me for manifestation because I bring a certain personality, I bring a certain vibe, I bring a certain teaching and communication and stories that, that people relate to. So that's a mindset shift that can help us see the value of what we bring out into the world. The value is not what we teach and therefore comparing ourselves with others when we teach something. The value is what we vibe, is what we put out there, is our stories, our personality. We are our value rather than just what we teach. There are so many teachers out there about love attraction and elementals and intuition. And we're all thriving because we're all, we all bring something new, something unique, something that comes from us. How do you help light workers tap into their intuition? You know, whether it's seeing signs, repeating numbers, a specific feeling. Before I tell you this, I just want to say, because today I released a new guide all about intuitive mastery. Perfect. <laughs> and I just want to give people the link just so they can grab it if they want to. It's georgelizos.com forward slash intuition mastery. And it's called the Intuition Mastery Accelerator Guide, Three Mindset Shifts to Unleash Your Intuitive Genius. So this is a more advanced guide, but let's go back to the basics. How do we access our intuition? It's like asking me, how do you think? (laughs) Because essentially, we all receive intuitive guidance all day long. How so? When we are inspired and we all experience inspiration at least once a day, That's intuition. Inspiration comes from the words in and spirare, in and spirit. So you're allowing spirit to flow inside you, to flow within you. When you're inspired, that means you received something you didn't know before. Where did did that come from? It came from source. It came from your spirit guides. So intuition essentially happens mostly when we're not resisting. Therefore, when we're not thinking negative thoughts, when we're not feeling negative emotions, when we are in a relaxed, positive content place and are open to whatever is going to come up. That's how, that's the easiest approach for someone who's never consciously accessed their intuition to start doing so. Chill out, get in a positive mood and get inspired. Ask yourself questions and receive answers. I'm a big TV person, you know, Sari and I are entertainment people and honestly, television inspires me. Like if it's a really good show or a really good movie, you know, I just feel so inspired in so many ways. And I think that people can be so judgy about like, what inspires you? Everyone thinks they need to be like, oh, the Bible, the Torah, um, you know, like all of these sacred texts. But you know what? Like if a new movie inspires you and changes your way of thinking, I think that's just as good. Tell me about it. I get inspiration from Sex and the City. Me too. Girl. <laughs> My latest one is Bridgerton. Yep. All <laughs> of the Netflix. above. Oh yeah. I just finished it too. <laughs> so I, I loved what you just said right now because the digital world mirrors the physical world. It's just an extension of it. It's a mirroring of it. So 
the times are changing and expanding. We cannot expect ourselves to stay stuck in the ancient Greek times, for example, where uh, the Oracle of Delphi just sat in a room day in and day out, going through her spiritual practice and getting high on fumes from the ground and channeling. <laughs> we are in a modern society. We have Netflix. We have so many opportunities available to us digitally and physically that can't bring inspiration to us. I feel that especially movies and TV series, they tap into um, human consciousness and the human psyche. And they, I personally use them for market research. I'm, I'm, I'm an introvert. I mean, I, I know I look like an extrovert for most people, but I'm really an introvert. Like I'm in my house all day long. Quarantine, quarantine was like, like daily life for me. I'm like, why is everybody <laughs> freaking out? Like, this is what I do daily <laughs> for like a year. Uh, my point is, I do my market research through, through movies and TV shows because they reflect what people are going through. So when I'm seeing Carrie Bradshaw going through a struggle, I know that there are women out there going through the same thing. So why not get inspired from that? This last year was such a testament to that too. I mean, people really, you know, they, they would judge if they had a day of like, oh, I just laid in bed all day and watched TV. And it's like, but what did you do with that? I mean, so, yeah. you know, don't judge it. Allow your, your circumstances to kind of flow through you and, and, create a change you know you the outside world might have changed but the inside world you know that's still yours to create it's about using what you're what you're receiving rather than just doing it mindlessly and so one of the other things i wanted to touch on before we let you go is how past lives affect our current life it's just kind of frustrating to me because i'm like okay we lived that life shouldn't we have learned that lesson but it's like this residual gook. Like, how do we mm. take that gook and make it not gook, but make it something that makes this life even better with the knowledge we had from the past one? So I do a lot of like psychic clearings and past life regressions with people where I scan their aura, identify blocks, and then release them. And uh, almost always I find karmic contracts or cords of attachment to past life selves um, that were influenced by essentially Although our body and our mind forgets, our soul can never forget. As soon as we're born into this world, we have a new personality, we've just reset, we press the reset button and it's a new person. And we don't forget our past lives. However, our soul, because it's eternal, it never forgets. So it's not that we, are, we bring the karma from the past life into this current life, we just remember. And because we remember, we have expectations. So if we've been through lifetime after lifetime after lifetime, uh, being, having our spirituality be suppressed, we have an expectation for our spirituality being suppressed in this present lifetime. And because we expect it, we manifest suppression early on in our lives to create present life trauma, <laughs> add on to the past life trauma. And then here we are dealing with the present life trauma, not realizing that we're only just clearing the collateral damage of the past life trauma, and that's the root. I believe that a lot of the, not all of it, a lot of the present life trauma we have, it's just collateral damage of past life trauma. And the deep inner work has to do with going back and clearing that as well as the present life trauma. Are there any quick tips you can give people who might want to spread their light at this time? If you know, if you're if you're stuck in home, you're still quarantined, there's not much you can do. How can you put a little bit of that positivity out into the world? 
Thank you for asking this question because that's my central message in Lightworkers Gotta Work is all that you have to do to follow and fulfill your life purpose is to take a single action step towards it every single day. You don't need to take more than that. Only a single action step is enough. Eventually, because you're going to love it and you're going to get hooked, you're going to want to take more. But if you're feeling overwhelmed, just take one action step. It could be watching something online. It could be writing an article. It could be calling someone, getting in touch with someone, DMing someone, something that helps you move towards what makes you happy, which will eventually lead you to your life purpose. We are definitely all can do that right now. And I also just think it's so important for people that um, don't live alone right now, that live with a significant other, friends or family to keep in mind the people that are living alone right now or, mm. you know, just with one person. Because when this all started, I was trying to get everyone to FaceTime with me. Let's play a game. And then everyone's like, oh, that got you know, boring after the first month of quarantine, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and I, and I hate asking for things, but there's this part of me that always just like wants to put in my Facebook or Instagram, like, don't forget about me, like, please FaceTime me or send me a message, you know? I it would literally make my day. Something as small as sending a friend a DM you might not have talked to in a little bit to just check in on them and say, hey, how are you doing? I think that's a great way to step into your light during this time. So important, and it's important that we are proactive, essentially, yes, taking action asking for support when we need it thank you so much this has been really lovely i know we've talked about your book and i'm going to link to all of the links in the show notes um but tell everyone still like your instagram or where they can find you that you want to promote of course so my book lightworkers gotta work is available to order globally on amazon and again if you go to georgelizas.com forward slash lightwork you can get to our workshop as well and i would love for everybody to come and say hi on instagram I'm at George Lizos, and I also have a Facebook group community that I teach daily. It's called Your Spiritual Toolkit Facebook Group. Ooh, I'm going to join that one. I'm all about the Facebook groups these days. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you guys for joining us so much. Let us know what you thought of this episode. You can find myself, Sam Davidson, at SamD43, Sari at The Savvy Scribbler, but most importantly, follow us on Instagram at Spiritual Spiral Show. You can find us on all podcast platforms. Rate, review, subscribe, and we'll see you next week. Bye, everyone. Bye.